Welcome back, race fans, to the Early Apex. I'm Rob with Dylan here, and today we're kicking it off with uh, with a wonderful race experience at Watkins Glen. Um, I just had the great opportunity to uh, witness Dylan's marriage, his go to his wedding in in upstate New York, and <laughs> the next day went to a track day at Watkins Glen. Not less than 24 hours after the wedding, you are at a track day. Yeah, I think literally <laughs> seven hours later. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that sounds about right. It was a late night, uh, and it was a super early morning for you to get up, and because I'm not that close to Watkins Glen, it was a little bit of a drive for you in the morning. Yeah, no, so. we left and it was dark. <laughs> you know, my goodness, my goodness. Uh, so huge FOMO for me because. Uh, Believe it or not, I have not been on Watkins Glen in a car that I've been driving. So I have actually (laughs) been on it in a car when I was a child, which is why I got into cars to begin with. I was like, I I drove right seat when I was eight years old in my neighbor's race car. And that's, you know, why I'm here now, essentially. Um, But I've actually been on my bike, my, my bicycle. I will make a preference, a bicycle race many times that's, on the on the course that's wheel to wheel racing oh <laughs> two wheels to <laughs> two wheel racing yes um but no i i have huge fomo i really need to check this box rob what was your first impressions driving in for those of you that aren't aware you drive into watkins Glen, and one of the first things you do is you go in a tunnel and you go under the back stretch before the bus stop, and then you come up into the infield. What was your first impressions of of Watkins Glen? Yeah, it's definitely um, like a big, impressive professional facility. You know, um, mm-hmm. some of like the more local tracks for me are a lot less so. You know, like English Town or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, even NJMP to an extent, just like not really a professional track. And this is clearly you know a track that hosts some some real racing you know like um imza has their gtp you know races there every year um mm-hmm. nascar's race there uh you know mx5 cup etc so it's you know it was like a big impressive facility <laughs> big boy racetrack big boy racetrack yeah it, the only thing that outdoes uh Watkins Glen for me in terms of an entry uh lead into the the facility is uh, Barbara Motorsports Park, and that's nuts because that's like you're driving up this manicured golf course. Uh, well, the, he's got all those <laughs> crazy sculptures, right? Uh, yeah, absolutely. That's once you make it past the <laughs> gate. Um, so it's not that nuts. Uh, but out front, I just remember the first time rolling up to the gate. I mean, you've got, what, 20 lanes to get into the place, you know, obviously, you, know, <laughs> yeah. you got the one lane for this event, but it just goes to show how large of events that it can host. It makes sense when you have, you know, series like NASCAR that go there. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So what event was it again? Was it Hooked on Driving, did you say? No, I did it with, um, oh, now I'm blanking on it, uh, Mass Tuning. So mass it's like tuning. Oh, mass tuning. That's yeah, right. Mass tuning, which we did a track day with at Palmer, but um, yes, they hosted a dirt cheap hundred fifty dollar track day there. Um, I think it's it was like some case of um, one like race club dropped out or mm-hmm. something last minute, and they were paired with the Viper Racing Club. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and so the Viper Racing Club needed someone else to like pick up their spot so that they could afford it. And it ended up being mass tuning, and it was ended up for that reason being insanely cheap. Definitely the cheapest how, you can get on the Watkins Glen yeah. for. And, and how much was it? If you don't hundred fifty dollars. That is so crazy. That is yeah. so. That's the cheapest unreal. track they've ever done. Cheaper than Track Night at America. <laughs> unreal. It's not the cheapest for me, but that is actually that might be. Uh, but regardless, that. Typically, you're spending at least four hundred dollars yeah, minimum to get on the Watkins, the Glen. for sure, and that's a decent, yeah. decent price. Um, that's awesome. Also, side note, shout out, you had a couple people join you. Oh yeah, right? yeah, yeah. <laughs> Who we else had, was there? Um, we had Stefan um, of Nat Motorsports was with us in your uh, yep. co-owned um, <laughs> track car, <laughs> track that, car, yeah, that met a uh, a fateful. Uh, we'll, get yeah. we'll, we'll get there. We'll get there. We'll get there. And uh, of course, uh, Cam, and then also uh, my best man Matt. Which Matt, yes. Got Matt. you guys convinced we, him yeah. during the wedding. Yeah, we're during at the wedding. The wedding. <laughs> you know, everyone's there, like with their wives, and we're like <laughs> trying to get every car guy there, like come this track day with us, come this track day with us. And he, he was on, he was really on the fence. He's like, I've done no prep for this at all, nothing. <laughs> He's like, I haven't, I haven't blood the brakes in the entire ownership of this, you know, twenty year old M three. We're like, nah, you'll yeah. be fine. And yeah. uh yeah, we got him to come. So that's so awesome. I'm yeah. so glad that Matt was you were able to convince Matt. Meanwhile, you know, Matt was out till, you know, one AM uh <laughs> night before. And I I, I, th- I think he might not have even gotten five hours of sleep. Um so what was the track itself? You know, you go through I'm I'm imagining you probably do a driver's meeting. You know, that's I believe that's what we did with mass tuning. You do a driver's meeting. And did you do novice? Yeah, what was um, that experience? Yeah, like? yeah, I was in I was in novice, um, which I think will probably be, probably be my last track day in novice. So I did novice, uh, asked for instructor, but they were just like low on people, so I didn't I didn't get mm-hmm. one unfortunately. Um, uh, shout out though to the uh, chief uh, flagging person. I do not remember her name or her title, but she is like in charge of all the flaggers uh, who are mm-hmm. all uh, volunteer workers. But this uh, older woman was incredible. It was like the best uh, like flag rundown meeting I've ever been to. She was like just nice. so funny, but also like gave you all the right information and nothing was like boring. It was like she was incredible and, she had and legit. And also during the whole time I was there, the flaggers there were awesome. Like they were nice. really on it. Uh yeah, there that was cool. Um so yeah, I was a novice. Um and so it was it was a rainy day. It was like cold and wet. Mm-hmm. Probably fifties, uh raining in the morning. And so And you had your Veloster there, right? Yeah, I took um I took the the daily because uh, mm-hmm. you know, I had that big it was a long weekend and it was supposed mm-hmm. to rain all weekend, so I said I'll take the daily, which is on all seasons. So ended up being the right tire and the right car for that track day, for sure. Yeah. Um, it would have been scary in the Miata, especially with the state of these tires. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So first session we went out and it was uh, 
they i think because of how heavy the rain was or something um so the viper club's still there and viper club got pushed back and so we got pushed back and so they end up sending everyone out together um all the intermediate advanced whatever groups mm. all at once um Whoa. in heavy rain <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> which was exciting because um like on the front i just remember the front straight being really bad you just could not see like if there was a car in front of you like even 200 feet in front of you you just you just couldn't see and your wipers mm-hmm. were like not like by the time Doing the wiper yeah it was just yeah but uh that was fun um and like got quick i was able to stay behind someone in like a, a gt3 rs i'm you know, obviously entirely because it was raining super heavily. Mm -hmm. So, (laughs) but that was fun, you know, just like, oh yeah, yeah, going as fast as a three RS. Okay. Um, (laughs) yeah, yeah. So that was cool. It was, it was a big experience, like going up the S's the first time. That was probably the Mm. biggest thing where like, so, um, probably like you're probably about the S's, but like, so I, to prep for it, I just, I played like, couple hours of forza just lapping yep you know Watkins yep. glenn and you know on a gamepad too but i just want to like know all the turns like just know the track like yeah. i don't have to remember general what turns coming lines. up yeah general sight yeah. lines etc and you know it's like they had the veloster in that game so i was like all right perfect um <laughs> and like after doing that and then coming there and going up the s's in real life it was it was special and of course i've spent you know my whole life playing racing games and racing at Watkins Glen. So, oh yeah, that was pretty. That was pretty special. That was pretty that's fun. awesome. Yeah, that is yeah. awesome. It's hollow ground, right? Like F one used to be there. Mm-hmm. It is yeah. probably one of like the top five known tracks in the U.S. Yeah, absolutely. I would it is right up there. Watkins Glen, Laguna yeah. Seca, um, mm-hmm. Sebring, probably. Yep. And of course, yep. you know, like the NASCAR tracks, like Daytona. Hmm. Yeah, in terms of like road tracks, yeah, it's probably yeah. Like in terms of road tracks, five. absolutely. Yeah, um, that's cool. Were any corners like? Did any corners catch you out? Or oh, um, yeah, how did you feel about the, about the track overall? Like, did you feel like it was sketchy anywhere? Yeah. Or I think um, I think there's one turn that surprised me how scary it was, and mm-hmm. another turn that I just knew from racing games so there's yep. i'm gonna forget the term numbers well turn one for sure right turn one and you know in a game is like a piece of cake you know yep um also because like at least in forza like the you know um the curbing doesn't react like it does in real life especially when wet so it's wet out and the curbing is painted curbing so it's super slippery and so it's mm-hmm. like touch the curbing lose all your grip immediately and there's it's a lot of runoff like and tarmac runoff after it but it was still like i need to stay away from this and you come down the back the front street with a ton of speed and so like calculating you're going downhill when you get to the braking zone so calculating braking zone downhill you crest the hill you don't even see your entry points so you're halfway through the braking zone and then, yeah, just figuring out, like, how late I can push the brakes and how much speed I can carry through was tough. Like, mm-hmm. I'm sure I was leaving seconds just in that turn <laughs> because of just, like, being conservative. I could totally understand that. And is – was your braking 
did you initiate breaking before you could even see the turn? Like, was it a blind yeah. crest? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, you yeah. definitely were in the breaks. I mean, maybe if I was faster and if it was dry, I wouldn't be doing mm-hmm. that. But for those conditions and my first time there, yeah, I started breaking yeah. like before the crest. And then the other turn. Also, go ahead. Oh, yeah. I was just going to say, because also on that turn, people might not realize, obviously, you have curbing on the inside, like towards the apex of the turn, like on the apex of the turn. Yeah. But on turn one, you also have curbing on the outside. Yeah. And and that's in wet conditions, I would imagine that's just, you know, a large, very large. It's a, it's, it's not like this little yeah, curb. You don't it's want a really it. wide curb. It's big thing of ice yeah. out there in those Yeah, you don't want to touch that. You definitely don't want to touch that. And I'm sure, you know, if you're going for it in the dry, you're on top of it, but... Oh yeah, yeah. In the wet, you, yeah, you don't want to touch it. So the rain, rain line's a little different. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Actually that changed too with the pit lane, uh, a sidebar, but the pit lane. So the, I don't know what it is, 11, but it's the last turn before the front straight that it totally changes wet to dry because you, for the dry line, you go right into the pit lane, right? Mm-hmm. You're going to cut like right. You're, hundred percent inside the pit lane. The problem is there is, you know, um, it's painted right to show that it's the, the, the pit lane. So you, in the wet where you merge, yeah. you really, you don't want to touch that, especially like HPD day where you're not trying to like go nuts. Like once you touch that, you're losing traction. And then on the left side, the outside of that turn is just wall. It's like two feet mm. of curbing and a wall. So like, you know, if you lose it over there, you're going into the wall. So that mm-hmm. changes, you know, like in the wet, you're, you, it's a much tighter turn. And then in the dry, you can open it up way more and have a, a much bigger arc because, you know, you can get right up into that, uh, that lane. Um, mm-hmm. and then the other hard the other turn, turn? Yeah. is like seven or something. Um, man, I'm really going to mess up the location of it, but essentially it's, is, it's, is that, is that the downhill left? No, so into the boot. Okay, it would be uphill left. So I think coming like out of the boot, maybe, but yeah, coming out of the boot. So you, yeah, you're finishing up breaking zone downhill. You go right. Yeah, it's like a ninety degree right, and then you're going back up again, and you make the left. Let's see. I think it's turn eight, maybe. But that turn, it's like it's blind. The exit is Mm -hmm. blind, and so just and it's it just is deceptively long. So it, mm-hmm. it's a turn it's that turn I nine. always crash turn on. Turn nine. It's a turn I always mm-hmm. crash on in racing games. Every time I'm like pushing the limit, <laughs> I always hit that wall. I always just like <laughs> overcook it, hit the wall. Mm-hmm. And it's another one too mm-hmm. where, especially in a front wheel drive car, it's like wait, 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 you know, until you can put the power down. You really have to wait. So that mm-hmm. one was just tough. And it never like was scary for me because I pretty much always just took it easy, you know, from mm-hmm. my racing game PTSD, but it was, uh, you know, I was definitely like, yes, turns would be really hard to like optimize. Like nail. Yeah. yeah. And that's that's the turn where you remerge because you were doing the full track. That's yes. the turn where you remerge with the NASCAR track. Yes, exactly. Because they cut out the boot. They don't yeah. do the boot. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Uh I I don't I didn't I haven't talked to at length with Stefan, but we did have a big shunt. It was Stefan. I, I don't know. Maybe bigs might not be the right word. <laughs> it was big. It, it was, was big. enough it wasn't to damage small. the car. It wasn't small. <laughs> it, it, their day was done, so it was big enough for their day to yeah. be over. Yeah. Um, but it, it looked like after talking with him, it looked worse than it was. 
like the body's actually not damaged. The photos it did look like it. They lost the tail light, or mm. he lost the tail light. Uh, but it, he hit the wing first. So he, I, it, from what it sounds like, I think he was on the outside of that curbing on turn one. It spun him, and he went across into the wall, like by the pit lane. I, I'm yes. not positive on so, that. So yeah, turn one like, strikes again. Yeah, that's exactly. Yeah. It was like I'm pretty sure it was like probably like damp still because i think that mm-hmm. run was getting drier but the curbing is probably still wet yeah. so yeah left turn one hit the outside curbing at the exit spun it 180 and then mm-hmm. went into the inside side wall going backwards yeah. inside yeah. yeah yeah but it, it like i saw the photos and I, I got a little concerned at first but it it does sound like it wasn't too bad it was you know a wing upright that didn't make it uh, tail light, a front fender, and uh, that's pretty much it in terms of what like really okay. was badly damaged. I think he's going to replace the hear. wheel just out of um, um, bat like just best practice. Yeah, definitely. Um, and he'll like inspect everything and and whatnot. Um, but yeah, that's that's why it's nice to have a track car. Right? Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was uh, yeah, it definitely like scared me a little bit. Although I still want even faster on my next session, but. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So final thoughts, final thoughts on uh, your time at the Glen. Is it something you'd, we'd want to do again? Is I would, I would you uh, go back to. I am like dying to go back. It is the most fun mm. track I've done so far. Um, wow. Okay. And there's like a lot of fun stuff to learn. And that's even though my car broke down twice on the track, <laughs> which I've never no. actually. Okay, no, once I have had did, did you my get Miata break off? on track. No, I um Okay. Uh basically I'm I'm going along and I lose power. Uh, I got like no like I have a little bit of power, but not what I should have and I can hear this you know, just kind of blowing turbo sound. Yep. I'm like, "Okay, some yep. boost hose intercooler hose came off." And so I limp it back into the pits. Um, you know, rolling the pits and me and Stefan are like, okay, definitely a hose. So I pull off the under tray cause you can't see like any of the hoses, um, from the top and it's immediately apparent just like the, uh, I guess it is the, uh, the charge charge pipe hose, basically the hose that comes right off of the turbo, mm-hmm. um, to go towards the intercooler that, uh, had just popped off and the, mm-hmm. uh, clamp was just sitting in the under tray. So oh, I was convenient. like, all right, cool. That's yeah, convenient. So we, um, we popped that bad boy back on there, tighten it up. We just figured I chalked it up to like, I don't know, Hyundai didn't tighten it up or something, you know, whatever. Uh, I go back out, uh, still the same session. And after like two laps, same thing, same thing. <laughs> Take the NASCAR track back, um, yep. roll it right back up, pull the under trade back off. And we're like, okay, this clamp and the clamp is gone this time. Mm. Uh, and uh, <laughs> so uh, and this time we're like okay well one we obviously need a new clamp but that clamp was obviously like uh, stripped or something um, and so my girlfriend Laura was with me and I'm like okay can you go up to the pits or like because we were like away from the garage where like the whole like Viper Club was and stuff and like everyone had their trailers. I'm like, there's got to be some up there with the hose clamp. Like there's full teams up oh, there. Yeah. I was like, can you go oh, up yeah. there and sweet talk them into giving me a two and a half inch <laughs> hose clamp? And so she comes back like 10 minutes later with the hose clamp. 
Yes. Um, and we get uh, Stefan's like, you need some hairspray on this. Oh, yeah, so you do. Laura had hairspray. Um, oh, my God. Laura's just know, coming in with a clutch. Hairspray it. Put the put it on hose clamp. Apparently, air spray is like an old, you know, like turbo builder trick. If you don't have like it's a bead roller a, or something, it's a uh, bike mechanic trick too with grips for grips. Right? Yeah. So uh, works good stuff apparently. So I slipped it on with the hairspray and a fresh hose clamp. Tighten it up. It's been good ever since. That's awesome, Laura. What a save! Yeah, she saved That's it. Amazing. She totally saved it. So I, I was, you know. Thank you, Laura. Um, and there's your shout out. <laughs> there's a shout out. That's awesome. But, uh, Dude, awesome experience. Hopefully I'm going to be with you the next time you're at Watkins Glen. Let's make it a thing. I, I, yeah, I really need to check that absolutely, box next summer. Absolutely. It was so much fun. I'm like dying to do it in my Miata on a sunny day. Would be incredible. Nice. Let's do it. <laughs> Next up is our classic FMK segment where, Rob, I'm going to present to you three different cars, and you're going to have to F, marry, and kill each of the cars. All right? You have to choose one for, for, for each of the I'm scenario. I'm ready and willing, Dylan. Ready and willing. <laughs> and in today's segment, I have chosen to present to you three concept cars that were actually built by manufacturers but never brought to production all right <laughs> and it's i'm laughing because this is just what we were talking about off camera that you had interest in oh man so let's let's find out if we have uh any crossover here with uh what you were thinking but i, I i've got some deep cuts here okay some of the one all of right. these you might know uh, i the two i don't think you know and i'll lead off with the first so, <clears throat> take yourself back. It's 1998, mm. and Ford is still making cars under the Mercury label. And the Mercury Cougar is out. This is a two-door econo box attempting to be sporty. Yeah. Do you remember that yeah, Mercury yeah, Cougar? Yeah, 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 yeah. It was like a Tiburon. Well, did it was very similar to a Tiburon, yes. Yeah. Yes. Did you know? that they actually made an 2.5 liter V6 uh, all-wheel drive version of that car, Ooh. the Cougar S. Ooh, like a Talon TSI competitor. Yes. Clips GSX. Yeah, similar. That similar. Actually, deal. it was a 3 liter. It was a 3 liter, excuse me. Um, but yeah, 3 liter V6. It had a 45 more horsepower than the standard car. And the coolest thing about it, in my opinion, is... Yeah, it's a two-door coupe, but it had an all-wheel drive. Imagine if that had come out. Oh, yeah. That's what sweet. What a cool car. That's sweet. I mean, we all, so you know, I, I, we still love the Clips GSXs, so. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah. I mean, it just, it would have changed my mind for what Mercury and that brand could have been, right? Uh, yeah. Just a, a cool car. I mean, a little lower in power, but I mean, remember, this is 1999. Yeah, as long as it I didn't end what, up like a Chrysler Crossfire or something, yeah. <laughs> well, I, what I was going to say is I think at that time, 215 horsepower is still pretty re like pretty reasonable. That pretty was like Mustang horsepower back at then. At the time. Yeah, I think the Mustang may have been a little bit more, but like not I don't much. Know. I think the Mustang was under, <laughs> like that was a 5.0. I think that was under 250 
at the crank, quote unquote, I think it was like what, 235, 240 or something, rated mm. ge- generously, potentially. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, <clears throat> so yeah, the Mercury Cougar S. I had not seen that car uh, until I started really researching this uh, this segment. Car number two. I have mentioned this to you before, but I don't know if you remember it. This is one of my, I sent you the article. This is one of my all-time favorite articles. Yeah. 2004 Ford Racing Focus RS8. What, what? Ford did RS8? is they took, they took, yeah, they took the drivetrain from a, uh, from a Mustang and they shoved into into an old Focus. It is a V8 rear-wheel drive Focus. What? And Motor Trend got their hands on it, and they did a head-to-head with a Lambo. (laughs) It is like everything that I know and love about Motor Trend. Oh, my God, I'm reading this article, hunt. What? Yeah. Oh, yeah. That is nuts. it's, It's awesome. So I'm trying to look up the specs here in real time. What was this rated for? It was doing the quarter mile in 12.7. I mean, that's fast still by today's standards. Not quick by today's standards. But yeah, talk about uh, an experience. Just, uh, could oh, you imagine yeah. a V8 in that seats. thing? Sparko yeah. seats. <laughs> I cannot. I mean, I cannot. Oh, it's got the A-pillar gauge cluster. Oh, yeah, it does Ford Racing. Ford racing that is i think uh, it was insane <laughs> sparko seats um i think it was a 390 uh, supercharged 4.6 v8 is what they threw oh in there. my god i hope it just like thrashed that gallardo <laughs> gallardo <laughs> i'll uh i'll leave you to the rest of the article uh but i mean such a cool car one of yeah one of my go-to favorite articles Motor Trend has ever done. <laughs> so a real drive V8 Focus is your second choice. Mm. Third choice. This is a little later on. Uh, well, actually, it's a close, close to similar age. I think this is around the same time that uh, VW acquired a, another company. But the third car is the Volkswagen GTI W12 650. I know it well. Yeah, you know this one. This is the one that I expected. Oh, my God. That is such an icon. I remember (laughs) when the article came out in Motor Trend about this car. Like, I remember reading the articles because this is like the 2006. What is it? What is this? A Mark 6? Yes. It It looks like it's Mark 6. Mark 5? Mark 5. I forget which mark this gen was, but I do remember it coming out very yeah, well. They took an Audi R8, was it V12, and shoved no, it W12. in the middle. It's like a um, W12. It's the Excuse engine because VW had it its parts bin. What would yeah. it have come from? Oh, it's like a it's like a Bentley thing, I think. I think you're right. I think it was a Bentley took, thing because they put it in the Passat. You could get yeah, a it, Passat it, with a W12. The, the Phaeton, yeah, is the Phaeton. Oh, was it a Phaeton? Okay. I think that's what it was called officially. It was basically a Passat, but anyway, they went upscale. I, mean, and they called, I believe they call it. Imagine a buying a Volkswagen off the lot with a W12. Yeah, the Madness. R8 was. It wasn't the engine. That was my fault. 
um, they basically went through like the parts bin and they took the Audi R8 brakes and threw it on it. Cause right. like they, this is very different from the other two where they, they changed where the engine was in the car. Right. It's like a total re-engineering. There's not, there's yeah, like it's nothing a mid-engine left. hatchback. <laughs> <laughs> it's just absolutely insane. I think the zero to 62 time was somewhere in here. It was like 2.7 seconds or something nuts, especially for the time. Um, yeah. W12. Yep. There it is. Oh my uh, gosh. I love this just interior too. Absolutely uh, insane. Like the a total internet builds before internet builds, right? Like total yeah. meme build almost. I mean, like this this car represented everything I wanted in a vehicle at that age, right? <laughs> I was yep. like, I, because it was also like the car, the attainable car, right? Like I was looking at these car reviews of this and like, seventh gen civic si and uh mini coopers and stuff like that and like oh like that's what i'm gonna buy when i'm whatever 16 like i'll get (laughs) one of these used um you know projecting eight years in the future or whatever no what was it six years in the future um and so like that represented the ultimate like modded version of that Hmm. um to all insanity and also like budget yeah, unlimited budget. And I already loved, you know, like rally cars and mid-engine rally cars. And there is the Clio um, in Forza, you know, which is like mm-hmm. uh, the only car in the last 20 years that's a mid-engine hatchback that I can think of. The Clio V6 is what I'm talking mm-hmm. about. Um, yeah. Europe only. Yeah. I don't think there's anything else over the past two decades. No. Yeah. I don't think so. Um, anyway, super cool. Uh, man. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so you need to choose between the three. And it might be somewhat obvious, but I don't, don't know. I don't even have to think I, about I it. Think, I don't even have to think, think about it. I think even the Mercury's kind of interesting, too, because it's definitely, like, the least breathtaking of the three. But I don't know. It's really interesting that Mercury actually built an all-wheel drive vehicle or uh, an all-wheel drive Cougar and... It almost looks like the most realistic of the three, to be perfectly honest. Uh, okay, that that is true. I will say the Cougar actually seems like a car they almost made, the Cougar S. Um, yeah. But I also get the feeling like the Cougar S is going to be... What, what were we ragging on before? It was the Pontiac GX6? GXP? GXP. Yes. Yeah. I. That is the vibes it gives me. The the G6 GXP. Oh, yeah. yeah. No, I'm sure that interior the G6 GXP. is not great. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah, obviously and, the other ones of these are just like, you know, half, um, you know, engineering, uh, well, like, what is it? Design exercises. You know, half a design exercise, yeah. half a marketing deal, you know? Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, where's the, where's the Renault, you know, F1-powered uh, minivan? <laughs> <laughs> that would really fit in a that, segment with the the W12 yeah. midship <laughs> GTI. <laughs> that would really fit. Oh, uh, um okay. It's it's incredibly simple for me to answer. I'm okay. getting a W12 let's, GTI, 100%. Even though it's not a manual to marry. What? The marry. Yes, to marry. To marry. W12 okay. cuz okay. I mean one it's uh it's Volkswagen so it's gonna it's gonna even despite it being an absolute 
um, Frankenstein car, it's going to be more reliable than a Mercury Cougar S. That is guaranteed. <laughs> okay. Guaranteed. Okay. Um, <laughs> I don't know Even about though it, it has a, a V12. It's a W12. Even though... <laughs> I don't know about that. I mean, you can get it, but you're lying to yourself. Listen, it doesn't matter. It wouldn't matter if it was the most... The Cougar's got a simple dual-overhead cam V6. I'm not not, not buying what you're selling. If MGB made it in the 60s, I'm I'm taking that every day. (laughs) That's fine. You can totally take it. You can totally take it. I think it is sick. I'm just saying your justification of the the reliability, let that go. (laughs) That thing would be so much fun. That thing it would, would be, just insane. be insane. Just like I would just challenge everyone I possibly could on the street to a race. <laughs> and they just the other like, thing too what? is that looks, yeah, that looks insane too because it's a wide body. Before even like wide bodies yeah. were the craze that they are now. It it's a very good looking car, honestly, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. I think they like they took that design language and then that you know iPod Nano second gen design language of that era and just took it to its limit in the best way. I think it's like a yeah. really good looking car, honestly, as far as any Mark V G, whatever it is, GTI hatchback has yep. a right to be. Um, yeah, it's a good looking car, and the way they did the interior too, it looks like they could make it. Like it looks great. Mm-hmm. It's handsome. And the interior doesn't look all that dated either. Like it, it looks pretty solid. Mm. Um, and okay. then I'm taking the um, this Focus RS8 <laughs> on one crazy drive. That's getting the F. That is <laughs> that would be sick. Just like V8 <laughs> sounds coming out of a Focus. Um, yeah. And I mean, if it handles anything like my SVT, like it'd be it'd be an awesome drive. I'm sure. I'm sure it's an awesome drive. I'm also sure that it handles nothing. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> You're right. You're right. That's with totally that giant true. boat anchor of a V8. I can't wait to read it. V8 I want to know like how they did the rear suspension. Like they just shove a solid axle in from the Mustang. Like, oh, that's what's a good the question. deal? You know, because the original car was, I think, torsion beam rear, and you know, there's no adding axles to that. So it's like a whole yeah. new rear subframe in there. I think. I also really like. Wanted to see it like crush the sky art. I'm reading this article like right after yeah. we finish recording. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm looking through it right now. It actually didn't have as bad of uh, weight distribution than I was expecting. It was 5644 front to rear. Um, so that's not as nuts as I was expecting it to be. You know, that would be like an ultimate daily for me. And the way that the clown shoe is, at least growing up for me, mm-hmm. the clown shoe represented. Front engine, rear wheel drive, mostly hatchback rear wheel drive. And like that was the mm-hmm. combo, the ultimate combo. Of course, it doesn't make any sense for a manufacturer to make this, especially for an American market. You know, in Europe, you can still get uh, a one series and a two, and then the two series is a hatchback, but not here. Um, but having that hatchback rear wheel drive combo is like, to me, ultimate daily status. And this thing, mm-hmm. if actually made, which would make no sense, but would be such a cool thing to pick up now and have as your daily. Yeah. Oh yeah. So the the poor old Mercury getting crushed. Is it any surprise, Dylan? Is it any surprise? You sound no, disappointed. It's no you sound disappointed. It's, well, it's the underdog of the three, and I guess I guess I should have. I feel like known. that the thing is though, they're all underdogs. 
Literally, the other <laughs> article is about the focus being an underdog. Well, it's underdog to the Lambo, but in general... It's the underdog of the underdogs. Yeah, yeah. So, I guess I may have stacked the deck against the Mercury. That's more <laughs> what, what I'm reacting by. Um, we definitely differ, but I don't... I can't argue too strongly um, with you. I'm also like half looking at the conversion kit, which apparently was made by a company to do Ford Focus V8 conversions. This is crazy. Um, oh, I'm going to go down this. Can uh, I still get hole. it? I don't know. The, the website that I'm on does load, but it looks like it was made from 2000. So who knows? <laughs> um, I'll share you the link uh, after this. But for me, dude, the Mary for me is definitely the focus. Oh, really? Uh, I've seen videos of these cars driving on YouTube and just doing donuts and hearing that raspy V8 come out of that <laughs> tiny little two-door hatchback. Dude, that's what dreams are made of, man. That's what dreams are made of. <laughs> that's an ultimate it is, it, it, sleeper. Just an, yeah, just an ultimate all-round vehicle. Like that, just could you imagine something better than that? No, Dude. you're right. That's all I'm saying. Front end, like, rear wheel drive, V8. And I, I, and maybe the uh, adult in me, or the realist in me, or just the crushed soul in me has no interest in owning a W12 vehicle of any sort what <laughs> 12 cylinders no, dylan 12, 12 cylinders that is 12 problems waiting to happen i've got eight i've, I've got more than enough problems <laughs> 12 cylinders You're is like not four is enough for me i don't ever need more than four <laughs> yeah, problems four, absolutely um but you're dang straight i'm gonna have to take that for a drive i gotta know what that's like come on 650 horsepower just not only that, but nuts. how many times do you have the opportunity to drive a W12? Just go buy uh, a, uh, what did you say, a Phaeton? What is it called? Phaeton. Uh, uh, the Phaeton. Just go I buy a Phaeton. You could probably pick a Phaeton up for like <laughs> running 10 grand, you know? <laughs> now, it, would, it would definitely be the cheapest way to get into a 12 cylinder. That engine. And the absolute worst. Yeah. And the absolute worst. <laughs> And that, unfortunately, doomed from the beginning. Uh, we're crushing that <laughs> that cougar. Yeah. That poor thing. But, hey, I hope this was fun, though. I, I did have fun kind of stumbling across the, the cougar and looping back in that. No, that I never heard. As much as I love this gen focus, never heard of this thing. Yeah. Uh, and it is amazing. And I want one. It's so it's thank uh, you. yeah, it's my wet automotive dream right there. <laughs> Rob, you now know something more about me today. <laughs> awesome. The end is officially here, Dylan. Top Gear has been suspended indefinitely by the BBC. Um Oof. Nelson was made about a week ago. Uh I mean we all knew it was coming, you know, I don't think anyone's actually surprised, um, after the Freddie Flintoff thing. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I think the writing was on yeah. the wall and also, you know, top gears performance for the last few years. So the Freddie thing, that was the injury, right? Yeah. 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 That was the, that was the life threatening, life threatening crash. Um, yep. and then they haven't filming. been making, 
Yeah, and they haven't been making episodes since. Right, right. They went on hiatus after that. Um, definitely, I mean, you know, the right thing to do, you know, out of respect for him, I think uh, anyone would agree with. I think all the hosts mm-hmm. agree with that. So, yeah. But, um, yeah, suspended indefinitely. Um, that is an interesting way to release the news, BBC. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, it's a big brand for them. They got to keep it going. The money, yep. you know, they still want the money out of it that it used to make for them. The ratings yep. it used to get them, the viewer numbers. So, you know, uh, Top Gear has been taken away and reborn once, you know, at least once before. So I'm sure they're thinking of doing it again. But uh, for sure. And I also think. Just recently, there was news around Top Gear Australia coming out, if I'm not mistaken, because Moog from Mighty Car Mods is, I believe, said to be one of the hosts of the Australian Top Gear. So it's just interesting that, yeah, the brand is bigger than Top Gear UK, it was never called Top Gear UK, but Top Gear, like the OG Top Gear, which was obviously based in the UK, when you have all these other, you know, offshoots, what, they've, they've had two attempts at a Top Gear USA, yeah. I believe, and now they have a Top Gear Australia, um, yeah. and I think they've had one previously, so it's just interesting that, like, Top Gear, the brand, is, like, that big to where it's almost outgrown just, you know, a show on the BBC. Yeah, it is. I mean, I think like any brand that starts making a lot of money, you get spinoffs. You know, it's like look at The Walking yeah. Dead. It's like four spinoff shows. I can't even like keep up with it. Um, True. Yeah, I guess. I mean, it doesn't surprise me, right? That there's all these spinoffs, and it really speaks to its success. Um, although, you know, Top Gear America never found its footing. Uh, hopeful mm-hmm. for an Australian one. I honestly might like make a point to go watch it and, and check it out. Just, I guess mostly cause of Moog, uh, cause I exactly. grew up watching him, <laughs> but yeah, I'll be curious I'm to see what curious. they do with it. Maybe they're able to find what, uh, arguably the BBC never found after Clarkson left or was yeah. fired. Yeah. Until Clarkson was fired then, and Hammond and James left. Right, they never really kind of regained the magic that those three had, and arguably, I'd say it was decent. But the three had never really got back to the same magic either on their own offshoot with yeah. Amazon and the Grand Tour. I think. Tour. Um, I think you could say, like, I you know, everyone agree, the host made Top Gear, right? It yeah. was the chemistry, yeah. you know, between Hammond, Clarkson, and yep. James May. And that yep. makes Top Gear. And Grand Tour definitely had a rough start. Um, mm-hmm. The first season after the first episode, it was just like weird. They couldn't get any good guests for some reason. It was a little um, cringy. A little yeah. cringy, some of the bits. Yeah. And they tried to do exactly the same thing they were doing before, and it didn't quite work. And then I think they found their footing really by just focusing on the specials. Like the Patagonia special was... Mm-hmm. I think one of the best things they've ever done and will probably be their last great, you know, episode episode. Cause it was yeah. really, really freaking good. And I think it, you know, it's because like all the times that I think it's really good, they get off script and it 
feels mm-hmm. organic and possibly like is organic, you know, like what happened in their like United States tour when the the guys in pickup trucks came to like, I don't know, assault yeah. them or drive them out of town. Like it was real. It felt organic. And that's what was great. And I think they captured that again in the Patagonia thing because it really felt like they were exposed. And now I think they're just at a point where it's just like dangerous, like it just yeah. they're just too old to do that. And then, you know, um mm-hmm. James May like crashed in in that Evo in the tunnel and yeah. got seriously hurt. Seriously you know? hurt. Yeah. Which one, I mean, keeps it real. I, I guess it's that weird blend that that line you have to ride, especially with a show like this. There's like a suspension of disbelief of is it scripted? Is it real? Or you know, which one is it? And you want it to be real. Yeah. You want everything to be real. But of course, yeah that's also incredibly dangerous and irresponsible. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so riding that line, I think they did really well on Top Gear, especially in its heyday. And I think they captured that a few more times in Grand Tour. Mm -hmm. Not Mm -hmm. every time, not most of the time, but definitely a few times in a way that Top Gear, BBC, after they're leaving, after 2015, never did. Yeah. Like, maybe not once. The biggest strength of the the three of them was two different things. One is they're bickering. It looks genuine, especially. I think in it like, is genuine. I th- it, I, don't, yeah, I don't think it, there's it, anything yeah. disgenuous no, 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 about no, it. No, 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 a hundred percent. And I think that's like a a large part of the magic. It's it's not forced. It's it's authentic. And the fact that I don't, I'm really curious, actually, now that I bring this up, I'm curious if any of them have a background in it, but they clearly have a level of improvisation between the three of them, even if it's not like some crazy off script thing like James getting hurt in a car accident, which is obviously right. not a good thing and but uh, off script. But even just like discovering a funny bit organically like you would doing that sort of exercise you know, as like a, a comic or something yeah. like that. But they're doing that in like a car show setting. I think, uh, um, yeah. yeah, I think it's something akin to like any group. Like, I mean, even mm-hmm. greats like Monty Python, right? Like yeah. it is, they are three incredible hosts that are also friends that have real mm-hmm. relationships with each other that you can feel mm-hmm. in the show you can feel their relationships. You can feel how, you know, how they have problems with each other. Like, not just that they like each other, but that they <laughs> don't like each other sometimes and they screw with yeah. each other. And sometimes they're just straight yep. up fed up with each other and you could feel it and it was real and helped, yeah, suspend that disbelief that this is all like, this is legit. They're really doing it. It isn't scripted. Yeah, that, that real friendship that they had, I think, was huge was huge mm-hmm. for that chemistry. And yeah, they like yeah. you're saying, they were just, they could riff off of each other so well to create those mm-hmm. like organic, you know. Magic moments. Magic yeah. moments, yeah. 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 So what do you think the future holds with this news? Like, do you think, I, I feel like it's one of those things where a franchise just can't die because somebody somewhere is going to make money off of it, right? So it's only a matter of time until they try to come back, you know, there's been three different Spider-Man, right? Like <laughs> there it's it's not going away anytime soon. Sorry, Tom. Oh Sorry, Tom Holland. Gosh. You're yeah. not gonna be the last Spider-Man. Wow. You're gonna age out, it's gonna reboot, and it's gonna be somebody else at some point. Yes. 
Yes. Um, yeah, 100% that's what's going to happen on Top Gear too. you know? Yeah. I mean, it happened in, like, in the 90s, like, with the current boot of Top Gear, right? Like, there was Top Gear before this, and it was, mm-hmm. like, about as boring as uh, Auto Week or Motor Week, whatever. What's that? Motor other Week. Motor Week, yeah. It was about motor as boring week. as Motor Week. <laughs> it was just super dry and factual and, and boring, right? Um, yeah. And then, you know... Jeremy Clarkson like helped rebuild a new show that was totally different. It was Top Gear, mm-hmm. and they just capitalized on the name recognition. But it was a new show mm-hmm. with a totally different atmosphere. And yeah, I am certain there will be a new Top Gear within five years, maybe even two or three years. Mm-hmm. And hopefully, because I think right the BBC after they left, they tried to just get new hosts in there and do the exact same show. Film it the same way with that really exciting, almost avant-garde at times, like shot styles and cutting and blah, blah, blah. Like they did some amazing stuff. They tried to just copy everything just with new hosts, Mm -hmm. just paste in new hosts. It'll work fine, right? Top Gear makes money and it didn't because it needs the host. It's the backbone. So hopefully where I'm getting at this is BBC is honest with themselves that the show needs a reimagining. It needs to change. It needs um, to evolve. And I yeah. think it does need to evolve. I think even if if they were allowed to keep doing the show, it would also be getting stale now, just sort of in the way Grand Tour is getting stale. They're getting old, and also Jeremy's humor is not of this era. Um, mm-hmm. And I think stuff has to change eventually. So, yeah, I think they need to find new hosts and new creators that have a new vision for it and and you know reimagine the show and i think it could be good again for sure just in a totally different way than it used to mm-hmm. be yeah it'd be in, it'll be interesting to see what happens it's def- definitely just a matter of time i think you're right where the success of top gear is in large part also to its timing it's at the right place yes. at the right time with the right hosts making the right kind of jokes for that era um yeah, it was like yeah. the pinnacle car show for the time. Um, and it'll be interesting to see what kind of reincarnation they come up with. Um, hopefully, they get creative with it and get a little outside the box with it and not you know, do as much copy and pasting uh, like they have in the previous that, that the previous generation. Yeah. No, I should say the most recent generation. Right, yeah. Yeah, it's out there. It's definitely out there. And I think, I mean... Um, oh, what is it that is, um, the three very famous YouTubers, the VinWiki guy, um, and I'm blanking all their names right now, um, that they did their own show just like Top Gear, but on YouTube, um, sponsored by AutoTrader, I believe. Um, please I'm looking it up, I'm looking it up. While we look up uh, these names. But that is, it's a great show. Um, I've watched like quite a few episodes of it. It's a little awkward because it's three very big car YouTubers. So they think they share like one season gets published on, you know, Tavarish is one of them. One one season gets published on Tavarish's channel. The next season gets posted on, um, you know, VinWiki's channel, et cetera. It's a little broken up, but I could see you know, a studio buying this and, and putting it on a streaming service. And I think it has merit to be there because mm-hmm. these guys have a lot of that chemistry. 
that I think, um, you know, OG Top Gear hosts had. Yeah, it was uh, Freddie Tavares Hernandez of Tavares Channel. You also had Tyler Hoover. Right, Hoover's Garage. Um, of Hoover's Garage, and then Ed from VinWiki. Right, um, yeah, that's what I'm thinking of. So, right, I think they did a nice job, honestly, with it. And as far as, like, free YouTube stuff goes, it's great. Yeah. Um, yeah, it is. It's good. And it is a, a copy in a lot of ways of Top Gear. But just going off of this, I think there are – I think YouTube is honestly where they're going to find the next Top mm. Gear. It's it's mm-hmm. from people who are on YouTube creating, and you have guys who are doing really interesting, different stuff on YouTube. There's so many different – there's just so much creativity happening there in well, an unformed I mean, space. Also, it's like I want to tune in to Top Gear Australia just to see Moog, right? Right. Like, I mean, well, yep, do they you know do they bring in? A, they already did it, right? Yeah. <laughs> there well, it like, is. like, do they do a do they do a US if they because I don't think there's a US one right now. If they revamp the US, do they do like Rob Dom, Tavarish, and you know some other person? Like uh, just all like YouTube people. Yeah, and I don't know. Well, you know what? I think it. They they got to find that right crew of friends. They do. They do. They, that are genuinely, and and it, they could be introduced through it, but that genuinely have that sort of chemistry and that sort of dynamic on on screen. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. It'll happen though. Yeah. It'll happen eventually. Cool. Well, I think that's about everything for me on on Top Gear. Finishing up, if you had to guess exactly how many years from, let's say that it's, let's say that it's 2023. I know it's the end, but let's say it's 2023. In what year is the BBC coming out with the new Top Gear? uh, How many years from now? It's 2026. 2026 yeah okay for sure all right i have a wait i got a better one for you what's your favorite topic okay. episode dylan oh oh my goodness um man there are so many so i forgot which jungle where they did like a river crossing and built bridges that's one vietnam. that comes to mind i think that might be the vietnam one was that the one where they got the like overlanders like they had like the toyota land cruiser like vintage land cruiser or is that before that i think it was before that i want to i'm envisioning like really big buses but i could be wrong vietnam was going to be one of them as well yeah for me because this like these are their specials um but honestly (laughs) one of the bits that stands out most in my mind is actually something really simple is when they compared going to Rallycross mm-hmm. and how it's cheaper than than golf. <laughs> and I think that is like a little microcosm of what made Top Gear great for, for not doing the trip thing. Like everyone's copied yeah. three guys, buy cars and go on an adventure. And it's great. It's fun. But like everybody's done it. They managed to do what? Like a 20 minute bit. They were all racing it was compelling. They were having a blast. And what was the through line? This is cheaper than golf. You can do <laughs> motorsports for less than, you know, this silly posh sport that's golf. Uh, I just, yeah, I, th- I thought, I think that was that's one of the bits one. that stands out. That's a good one. That's a good me. one. 
I appreciate that. That goes along with the theme of our uh, of our little podcast here. Yeah, yeah. One other one that this is more of a story behind it. Yeah. But if you remember, they did this several times. They basically did um, like soccer, but with cars. Oh yeah. Right. Do you remember this? Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. What? I'm trying to remember. What's the video game that's they basically made that's oh, just League. like this? Rocket League. Rocket League. They basically were doing Rocket League, <laughs> but with more cars. And apparently the story is something along the lines of like, those were all borrowed cars from manufacturers with no intent on like destroying them. They, they were bought by the BBC. Like they were borrowed They're from like, hey, manufacturers. Can we, we, like, we work for Top Gear. Can we just borrow <laughs> um, 10 Yaris's? Yeah. Meanwhile, they're just destroying each other, like, running in, playing very aggressive like, cars. Okay, make sure we got the good insurance. All right. <laughs> My gosh. Yeah. Yeah. Th- that that's is, the those kind are of stuff. amazing. Yeah. That, like, the trips are amazing. Going to the U.S. was amazing with the situation they found themselves in. But, like, just even their more basic bits, there's magic in them that yeah. just has not been captured since, in my opinion. I think... I think it was when they took things to to the limit for me was like to the limit of 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 believability of like you know when yeah. you knew when this was pitched that everyone else was like what the hell are you talking about you know <laughs> that stuff was yeah. because that was you know before the internet right yep that was before nowadays every dumb thing you can think to do every insane idea someone has done it on the internet right um but that was before that and it was incredible you know when they turned what they do they turned a reliant robin into a rocket ship you know yeah um, yeah that's a great one they turned not amphibious cars into amphibious cars cars yep you know um they crossed like the sahara right like they were out Mr. Beasting Mr. Beast before Mr. Beast was a thing. Like they yes. were doing that level yeah. of. They were like basically stuff whistling diesel. They were whistling diesel before yeah. whistling diesel. I think. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, and that was I. I love that when I was a kid watching Top Gear. You know, that yeah. I I freaking love that. That that was like. It just has universal oh, cool. appeal to you. Bringing up the Reliant Robin episode, I remember we are on a trip with my parents. And my mom, at the time, not a car person whatsoever. We turned that on, and she's glued to the TV. <laughs> yeah, she's yeah. loving it. No, I'm absolutely. Like, yeah, I mean, it for was everybody. Yeah, it had universal appeal. Those guys were yeah. funny. You didn't have to care about cars. They had amazing hosts too. And Clarkson is like a great interview and brings out great moments with the hosts or the the guests. Mm-hmm. You know, guests, yeah. And they had yeah. every big name of the era on. You know, yep. like Tom Cruise is on twice. You know, yeah. And can wheel. Yep. Oh, yeah. Top of the leaderboards. Him him, and who was it? Is the <laughs> chef, right? What's his name? Gordon Ramsay. I thought it was him and Gordon, Gordon Ramsay, Ramsay who were always like neck and neck at the top. I feel like you're right, yeah. Cool. Yeah. Fun trip down memory lane. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> cool. Well, thanks for listening uh, to yet another edition of The Really Apex. This has been a good one. Wonderful evening here with you, Dylan. It's been a good one. Absolutely. <laughs> Always a pleasure. And, uh, dude, I look forward to shooting our next one. Absolutely. All right, guys. Till <laughs> next time. Until then. Uh-huh.